and welcome to the Luke Miller Podcast. I'm glad that you're able to join me today. On this week's episode, we're going to take a moment and look at really a biblical response to the Ukraine situation. I know it's one of those things that we have uh, seen in the news nonstop, and I think today is a great time to stop and pause, not only to pray for our friends, our brothers, our sisters, uh, those who've got family in Ukraine, but also to take a look at it from a biblical perspective on God as a comforter. So thanks for joining me today. I'm looking forward to this. We're going to grab our Bibles and we're going to dive in. Preaching usually involves two different responsibilities uh, when it comes to a Sunday. The first is to explain the Bible itself and something we call exegesis. And the second is to the ability to relate it to life. And and I think that is really, really where we find ourselves today. Uh, the second, to take life and explain it in life of Scripture. I hope we're able to really accomplish both today. But if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 46. This song was written by the sons of Korah. Uh, It is set in the context of catastrophic chaos and troubling times and unparalleled uncertainty. Uh, The writer's world is crumbling all around him. Some commentators actually believe that the setting for Psalms comes from the time of King Hezekiah around... uh, or when he was surrounded by the army of Sennacherib, king of Assyria. Forty-six towns and villages of Judah had been overthrown, and at least 185,000 troops had encircled Jerusalem. This is, as much as this is biblical, it sounds like something ripped right out of the news this week as we talk about Russia and Ukraine and, and their invasion of it. This psalm was written for the nation of Israel in mind, but it certainly applies to us today. And before we even get into the text, I want us to see the word Selah after verse 3, verse 7, and verse 11. This word is used 74 different times in the Old Testament and 71 times in Psalms, three times also in the book of Habakkuk. Most versions of the Bible do not attempt to translate the word Selah, but simply transliterate the word straight from the Hebrew. We know from the title of the psalm that this is to the choir master, a song. And so it was designed to be sung. And it it likely refers to, Selah refers to a musical rest in which the singer stops singing to take a breath so only the musical instruments could be heard. It is a pause, if you will, or it can also signify a musical crescendo, uh, followed by a silent reflection. Uh, we see this uh, in the Greek version of the Old Testament. It simply translates this as an intermission, if you will. Uh, or in the New Living Translation, it actually translates it as an interlude. However you want to look at it, it is a way in which we pause. And I think the best way to think of Selah is a combination of all of these different meanings. It is a pause. It can be a, a, an intermission, an interlude. Uh, and it is a moment where we take a breath. With everything going on around us, I think that's probably a reason why uh, we find ourselves in this passage today. Because of the word Selah appears three times in the passage, we will follow this natural outline by reflecting and remembering and resting each time we come across it, in a sense, uh, as we start to examine God's word in the specific areas that it is here. So, 
If we look at this in Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam through the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will exalt, I, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. No matter what happens, we can see that there's three main sections here. One, that there's a promise uh, that we can understand God's promise. Another, we can understand his presence. And thirdly, we can understand his power. Firstly, we see he is uh, He is for you as your refuge. This is his promise. If we look at the first three verses, God, our refuge and our strength. And, and when we look and we read that name God there, the name of God that we read is Elohim. It reminds us of God as a creator, a king, a judge, and a savior. And that's what's encompassed in that one specific word. And amid whatever mess we find ourselves in, God promises to be our refuge, our strength, and our help. God is not pointing to refuge outside himself. He's pointing he himself is our refuge. God is our refuge even when it seems, when when whatever we're in seems unstable. And that word refuge or fortress is used three times in the psalm as a place of trust. It literally means to flee uh, as running to an impenetrable shelter. God promises to hide and help us. So as, as we cry out for help and as we no doubt know that the people of Ukraine cry out, we hear a prayer like Psalm 142.5, I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. God's promise to hide us in his shelter and, and he can help us by his strength. He's also a very present help in trouble. Uh, and, and he gives, in fact, it'd be translated more as an abundant and great help in a time of trouble. And the word strength implies we can rely on his might when we feel weak or defenseless. That phrase, very present help, means God is quick to give assistance right now at the exact time that we need it because he is abundantly available when we are in tight spaces. Right now, he is everything we need and he will be everything we need in the future because he has proved himself to be such a help in the past. And, and that's the picture that it's really painting, painting there, is that through the past, the present, and the future, God has been there, is there, and will be there. The next thing that we actually see 
uh, in verse 3, describes the roaring waters of the sea, which is really a picture of the lives when we're out of control. In fact, the, the next, all of verse 3 is really about the chaos of life and the struggles that we may go through. The mountains may treble, tremble at the swelling of, of the oceans. Every continent continent right now is in commotion about what Russia's next move will be. On top of that, I have no doubt we are wondering what China has got going on hidden in the shadows. And and yet, we take a look at this, and as we look at a nation like, like Russia, who is bringing things to play like uh, weapons of, of mass destruction or, or or activating their nuclear response force, whether it's just talk or whether it's not, it's that point where every nation is in a place where there could be trouble. And yet, now we look to the next part. We can rest in God's presence. He is with you as your resource. In fact, look at verse 4 to 7. He's not just there as a promise as a, that he will be your refuge. He will be, he is with you as your resource. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. God promises us shelter when we seek him. And, and the nice part is about this is that we don't have to run too far to find him because he is, his presence is right here with us. In fact, verse four paints a very good picture, which is easy for us to miss. The city of God is Jerusalem. And while it's a very beautiful city, it's where we lived for three years of our lives. It didn't have a river running through it like any of the other major cities of that day. Babylon was built on the Euphrates. Egypt, Egypt uh, was built on the Nile. Jerusalem had no, did not have a physical river, but it had something better, the flowing presence of God. That title, Most High, is Elyon, which refers to God as highest of all. He is sovereign, he is supreme, and he is present with us. God's grace flows like a river to bring gladness and joy to his people. While the oceans rage and foam, God's presence is depicted as calm and gentle as a flowing stream. And God's favor is often denoted, actually, as, as a river, like we see in Psalm 36. They feast on the abundance of your house, and, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. This is an image that represents happiness and abundance and peace, even when everything else is falling apart. Let me say that again. It represents happiness. It represents abundance. It represents peace even when everything else in your world is falling apart. That is what acknowledging and seeing God's presence in your life does. God's presence is with his people. It's one of the central truths of scripture. In fact, verse five says God is in the midst of her. And in verse seven declares the Lord of hosts is with us. This is that root, Emmanuel, God with us, which is used in Matthew chapter one, verse 23. It means when we put our faith in Jesus, we have God with us at all times. And in fact, if you notice the last part of verse 5, God will help her when morning dawns. No matter how bad things get, 
God's presence means he will help us. When we wake up at the start of the new day, we will experience what Jeremiah did in Lamentations chapter 3. Because the Lord, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Now, when the world is collapsing around us, it's very easy for us to say, you know, maybe I or sorry, when the world is great around us, it's very easy to utter this. But what happens when the world is is collapsing all around us? You look at this passage and in light of Ukraine, you look at it in light of of Russia and and what is happening. How many times you read, because of the time change, it'll be afternoon here in, in California, in, it'll be talking about morning has dawned on a new day in this war that is going on overseas. And how there's the fear of when the darkness goes down, that's when there's going to be more invasion. That's when there's going to be more strikes. And so this has no doubt uh, even more meaning. God will help her when morning dawns. When, when you look at the ruins that have happened throughout the night, God will be there with you as you look at the landscape. Verse 7 says, the Lord of hosts is with us. Here we're introduced actually to another name of God, Jehovah Sabaoth, meaning the Lord of angels' armies. The Lord Almighty has all the hosts of heaven ready to do his work. And this is what I love in the picture that we have. I love how this verse ends. The God of Jacob is our fortress. As in verse 1, God is not depicted not only as powerful, but also impenetrable fortress where we can run for safety. And as we look at this, um, we also see that he is a helper amid the flood of whatever's going on in life. Don't miss the fact that he's the God of Jacob. This isn't just a reference to who Jacob is uh, and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the patriarchs of the Old Testament. Jacob was known as a deceiver with a a twisted heart. And maybe a lot of us are even a little like Jacob, aren't we? Even though Jacob had a lot of faults, God stuck with him, shaping him and molding him into a man of great faith, changing his name to Israel, which means prince of God. And I guess, I guess out of this, we can draw to the fact that we are, we should be joyous that God takes selfish sinners like us and changes us from the inside out. So let's get to the, the final part of this in verses eight through 11, which looks at above, uh, that God has a plan for everything. You know, we've looked at his promise. We've looked at his presence and now we see his power. He's above each and every one of us as our ruler. Come behold the works of God. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He, he makes wars cease and, and uh, to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. There's, there's something very unique here when we look at, at what is going on. Uh, and as we start to, to understand and look at the news, no doubt, uh, every day, um, we see that here, God's purpose is still happening. No matter how tough this is, God's purpose is happening. Um, as we talk with, uh, you know, uh, Juliana La, 
who is one of our missionaries in Ukraine. And she is now in, in Poland, where she is in a place where she is ministering to the refugees who are coming over, people who are looking for help, people who are looking for shelter in the fortress, uh, you know, in the fortress, someplace safe, knowing that their land, their towns, their cities, their homes have been, been blown up. And as people look for shelter in the storm, as they see war around them, everything that that this psalm is talking about uh, in Psalm 46, she gets to be in a place where she gets to share what that true fortress is and what it means to see the power of God uh, and to know that he is God, knowing that he's a God that makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bows and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And to be honest, that's probably the the prayer that we have today is that God do this. There's this exact psalm that he act on it. There's this picture of of this that of just literally dropping your weapons, cease fighting immediately. And this is what's being talked about, this idea of to be still, especially after it follows all of that those uh words and statements on war. Zechariah actually chapter 2 verse 13, be silent all flesh before the Lord. For he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. And notice the last person of verse, verse 10 here in Psalm 46. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. As we quiet our souls, as we reflect upon his position of power as Lord over the world, we recognize his supremacy and inevitable triumph over the nations. It's one of those one of those things that God is sovereign. He is in control over the whole world, which means he is in control in uh, of absolutely everything that is happening. There's nothing that he cannot stop. I think I think no matter what happens, in fact it says Selah after this, a call to pause and reflect on God's power. And maybe it's time for us ourselves to stop striving and more surrender ourselves before him. Start, stop working and being active and take a moment and pause. Here's what I want us to note out of all of this. That despite the horrible chaos that King Hezekiah had, he relied on God. And in fact, if you continue on in, uh, in the story, you'll see that the angel of the Lord delivered them. And Sennacherib moved on to the city of Lod after he had been laying siege to Jerusalem. God can work in the hearts of kings and queens, of presidents, of rulers. We pray that he works in the heart of Vladimir Putin, softens his heart. We know he can do that with pharaohs and we can do it with with everyone. And so we ask him for that, that, that he work And so I think today, again, we stop and we pause. And in, in this Psalm 46, there are three key pauses. One, recognizing God's promise. Two, recognizing his presence. And three, recognizing his power. 
and it's all about not only just getting right with God, but it's also about giving it all to him and giving whatever's going on in our lives over to him. I think one thing that that gets asked a lot uh, around what we're seeing today is about Christ's return. Nations will rise against nation, it says in Luke chapter 21, verse 10 and 11. It gives us a taste of what the last days will be. When you look at the history of the world, there is a whole lot of um, time there, where there is war and not a lot of time where there is peace. But as I said over and over, we know that Jesus is coming again. And it's easy to look at this where it says there will be kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and various famines and pestilence across the world. Prophecy is being fulfilled before our eyes. And the return of Christ is always closer than it was yesterday. Many people believe that Ezekiel 38 refers to Russia. But many people over history have believed that that different nations have been represented in Ezekiel 38. Now it's it's Russia, and the nation to the north in Ezekiel 38 is Gomer. I'm not going to spend time on that, but rather the focus is, are we ready for Jesus to come again? Which means, are there people we need to tell about Jesus? Is there action church needs to take um, in this? Our prayer, again, is that at, that God move in the hearts of those har- hearts that are most hardened. And that's where we'll leave it today. And so normally I just finish up and, and say, we'll see you next week. And I, I'll get to that. But I want to take a moment and just pray. And you can join me if you like. And I will just uh, take a look. I will just pray and then I'll... I'll pause for a moment, and we'll just go through this Psalm 46 and the areas that he covers. So why don't you join me as we pray? God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for how you are made known to us in day in and day out life. And God, we pray that that you open our eyes to see where you are at all times. God, we pray that, that the people of Ukraine can see you even in this dark time. Even as we read of dark times in Psalm 46, God, we know that there are dark times just across the Atlantic right now, God. And so we pray that he make his presence known in the lives of the Ukrainians. And God, we pray for that he make his life known in the form of revival and changing of heart when it comes to Russia and their leader. And so we just pause for a moment and reflect and pray for your presence to be made known in this world. In God, we reflect on your promise of you being there for us, of you being there with us. And as we reflect on your promise, we pray that you will be made, you, not only will your presence be made known, but it will be made known as a place of refuge for those who are hurting in a very present trouble right now. And so God, we give thanks for, we remember, and we pray that people will see you as a God of refuge a God of strength.
And finally, God, we pray that there would you would show your power. We would pray that that you would let your name be known uh, as you can cease war, you can cease hostilities, and you can do that in a word. And so, God, we pray that you do that. But like all things, God, when we pray, we say that your will be done as we know you have a great plan and we acknowledge that great plan. So we take this time and we pray these things all in your amazing and holy name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining me today as we just took a little time out of this and really look at the fact that we are in a place where there is not... Other nations have been here before and, and yet it doesn't make it any easier. Yet we dive into God's word we see how we can learn. We see how we can help. And so hopefully you found that that good today. We are going to continue next week as we jump into prayer and what it means for us to pray boldly, something that we are already probably doing a lot of these days, but really take a good hard look at what it means to pray boldly. So I will leave it there and say, take care. Have a great week. I'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Luke Miller Podcast, part of Sunrise Digital Ministries at Sunrise Community Church in Fair Oaks, California. If you're wanting to know more about our digital ministries, you can download our app at the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, where you'll find Backshed Bible Study, Sunday Sermons, and the Luke Miller Podcast. If you've got questions about who Jesus is or what it means to be a Christ follower, we would love to connect with you. And you can send us a note at www.sunrise.church welcome, and we'll get you connected. Thanks again for joining us. Take care.